key verse that we've been going back to, if anyone remembers. He knows it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. It's a pretty cool verse, um, and we're going to keep talking about this kind of theme. Um, and I'm going to focus on three verses myself in regards to it. Um, the first being Luke 17, 11 to 19. So before, uh, before I read it, let's pray, and, um, and then we'll get into it. Lord, thank you for tonight, thank, today. Thank you that we are gathered here. Thank you that this is uh, just an awesome opportunity to go deeper in your word and, and deeper in, in what you have in store for us, God. I pray that we can learn uh, to glorify you in everything that we do, to be grateful in everything that we do, God. And I pray that you go before me and um, you give me the right words to say um, as I speak uh, to, to our community today, God. In your name I pray, amen. All right, Luke 17, 11 to 19. I'll be reading from the NLT. It will be on the screen as well. But it's uh, the story of the 10 lepers. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Uh, next slide. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. I love this verse. Jesus so much at looks, takes a glance at these lepers and they're healed. He like, just, just takes a look. Like he, he didn't do anything spectacular. He just looked over at them. Maybe they were sitting over on the side here. And they said, he just said, go show yourself to the priests. Um, and within moments they were restored. Imagine the joy as they were holding their hands out and the skin, you see my hands shaking, as my, and the skin was <laughs> healed in front of their, their hands were probably shaking as well. They were like, oh my gosh, what is going on? I am being healed of leprosy. This is incredible. Um, it's unbelievable. It, you could imagine being an outcast for years. But the response of the Samaritan, the one outcast, the one who actually remains an outcast, despite his healing, blows me away. Um, and I'll read it from the Message um, Bible, the verse 15 and 16. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet so grateful he could not thank him enough. And he was a Samaritan. So I love that they point that out. And he was a Samaritan, like he was lower than the rest, like he was the one who never shows gratitude, like he was the one who isn't meant to glorify God. But he was kneeling at Jesus' feet, so grateful, he couldn't thank Jesus enough. Um, I just, I love this, because he, Jesus, the Samaritan had absolutely no obligation to do this. You look at the other nine lepers, their first thought 
when their, their first action was, hey, let's go show the priests so we can be restored back into society. When they're healed of leprosy, of course, once they show the priests, they can enter the temple again. They can be a part of society. They can engage in everyday life without being an outcast on the gates, without being an outcast um, outside the walls of the city. Um, but, like, the Samaritan is the one that comes back. And for him, he could have just continued on with everyday life. He could have just continued uh, to live his life as uh, he had never really done in the past few years. Could, could have gone back into society, could have showed himself to the Samaritan equivalent of, um, of the priests. Um, I'm not sure if they actually had priests, but that's not the point of the message today. But, um, like, he wasn't, I, I, just, I just, there's something to take from this because he wasn't just being polite. He wasn't just saying, oh, thank you, God. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, you've healed me. Uh, great. Like, he was, he, he realized that this event, this move of God was something so monumentally life-changing and something so undeserved that he needed to respond. It was something so unbelievable, so, um, so like, it, it changed the course of his life on earth. Uh, from that point forward and the Samaritan recognized that and recognized that he needed to turn back and fall at the feet of the one who healed him uh, and that's faith this is faith and Jesus's response validates this as it says in verse 17 Jesus asked did not heal 10 men where are the other nine has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner this alien and Jesus said to the man stand up and go your faith has healed you. Stand up and go. Get up on your way, it says in the message version. Basically, you've got it. You've got this. Carry on. And this is because his faith hasn't just healed him. His faith has healed and saved him. Um, and we're, we're going to explore that a bit deeper. Uh, we've got, as, as usual, there's a bit of Greek to be taken from this. And uh, the next slide, Greek of the week. Uh, we've got... <laughs> We need a little. We need a little theme for that. But um, it's uh, we've got. Uh, it's really interesting when you actually dig deeper because uh, Bible translations like the NLT they use "healed" multiple times, but it's actually a different Greek um, word to to understand like what the actual healing is. And in verse fifteen, um, as you can see there, the the Greek word is "eiomai." Everyone say "eiomai." probably butchering it but it's it's a good effort um and eiomai means to heal to restore and literally deliverance from physical diseases and afflictions as it happened with these 10 lepers dr luke uh the author of the book he was a physician he loves using this term he uses it about 26 times across luke um but there's a difference with verse 19 there's a difference when jesus says stand up and go your faith has healed you it's, the word is sodzo. Everyone say sodzo. Sodzo. Uh, in, a, in a nice strong Greek accent. Sodzo. Like, to, keep, to save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction, to save a suffering one from perishing. Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you from perishing. Your faith has rescued you from danger or destruction. Other uses of sodzo in the Bible is Matthew 9.22, uh, the woman with the bleeding. You might uh, know this story. Uh, when she touches the garment and Jesus talks to her, she sa he says, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. 
made you well, sodzo. Your faith has rescued you. Or Luke 48 to 50, the sinner who washed Jesus' feet with her hair. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with Jesus began to say to themselves, who is this man that forgives sins? And he said to, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Your faith has, sodzo, has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has rescued you. The Samaritan was not just cleansed physically, he was cleansed spiritually. He was made whole. I would argue that Jesus' tender heart, it, it was Jesus' tender heart that saw those 10 lepers healed. It was his love for people. It was his love for, for everyone on earth. Um, and it was that, yeah, that tender heart that saw the 10 lepers restored into, into society. But it was the Samaritan's faith that brought spiritual healing, that restored him into the kingdom, um, that saved him. So there's a, there's a clear, like, the Samaritan's faith takes it to that next level, takes it from Iaomai to Sodzo. It, it went from res, being restored into society to restored into the kingdom. And that's not something that I think we can ignore when we're reading this. Um, perhaps you're thinking, hey, this is a bit unfair on the other nine. The other nine, they weren't exactly doing anything wrong. Jesus told them to show them to the priests. He, they were doing what he said. But this is the incredible thing about Jesus. This isn't some transactional healing. He doesn't say to them, all right, I'll heal you, but you've got to carry my bags for three years as I walk around and preach. There's not, it's not, he's not expecting anything in return. This healing is from the goodness of his heart, expecting nothing in return. He did it because he knew that it would change their life not because of how they would respond or the warm, fuzzy feelings that you get when someone shows you true gratitude. Uh, that's the heart we're meant to model. And a lot of the time, I think we do stuff because we enjoy the response and we enjoy the gratitude. And we're like, hey, this feels good. I'm going to be nice again. But it shouldn't be about that. It should be about helping people out of the goodness of our hearts, our hearts that are aligned with God, expecting nothing in return. And I think this is... This is the thing, it's totally on us to respond. If, if we're at the coffee shop and find out the person in front of us has shouted us a coffee, how do we react? Um, maybe they're, they're in the line in front of us and, and you get to the counter and the lady says, oh, it's been paid for. You're like, oh, really? Like, great. <laughs> and you, you go talk to them and you say thank you. You're like, oh, can I, can I pay for something? And maybe you're a bit more awkward and you're just like, okay, cool. And then you just walk off. But um, there's a... It's, you're, you're joyful, you're grateful. Um, if you get a chance to talk to the person who's paid for your coffee, paid for your food, you're going to tell them, this is amazing, thank you so much, you've made my day. You've, you've, you've brought this into my life and I'm so thankful. Okay, now imagine you've had leprosy for years. <laughs> a guy walks past, looks at you, looks at you, glances at you, and you're healed. How do you react? Like, holy moly, like, make a fool of yourself. You are so grateful. If this man can look at you and restore you, he, oh my gosh, he has something I want. And I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to go wherever he takes me. If you're sitting on the ground, outcast of society, feeling like you haven't deserved, you don't deserve anything. You don't, you, you have no value in society. And someone looks at you and <laughs> bang like that, you, you're restored into society. That is an incredible incredible thing and you're going to want to follow Jesus wherever he goes wherever he is you're like this this man has saved me this man has restored me into society 
And we see that in all of our lives on the cross. Um, and after, I think it, it comes down to this. After God moves in your heart, in your life, give glory, show gratitude. Don't just move on. Don't just revel. Don't just carry on. Um, and maybe it's subconscious. Maybe it's a conscious thing. But in reality, I think many of us are here to take. Um, perhaps like the nine lepers who didn't turn back. We want the healing. No strings attached. This isn't unnatural. I think it's quite a human nature response. But how many other things do we want without the responsibility? Who wants to get rich quick without putting in the effort? Who wants to, who wants to like get a, a husband or a wife in the blink of an eye without putting in the effort and the love and the care and, and the sustenance that a relationship needs? How many things do we just want to have without the baggage that it takes to get to that point. Um, this wrestle with selfishness is something that we all carry. And it's difficult, but I've got a verse that I think is amazing, and this is the second verse I'm going to talk about. But before his death, in Luke 9, 23, and it will be on the screen as well, it already is, David's on the ball. Um, before his death, well before his death, Jesus says this, the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If that first verse is explicitly true. If that first verse came true, if you believe in that first verse, if it is true, then so is the second. If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If that first verse came true, came to be, the second verse isn't a suggestion. It's a, it's a responsibility on us to give up our own way to give up our own way, to take up your cross daily and follow me. We owe our lives to Christ. If it wasn't for him, we would be doomed in sin. But he has reconciled what was broken and we can now find wholeness in him. And that's an incredible thing. Um, and it's something to be joyful about. And I get it. Taking up your cross may sound scary, um, we're talking about giving up your own way and trusting him with everything. That sounds, that, <laughs> that can sound quite, um, yeah, it's a tough thing to do. It can sound scary. But once we realize that we are truly lost without him, how broken we are without him, how indebted we are to Christ, how his death on the cross has absolutely flipped everything that we were in line for, uh, taking up our cross becomes an exercise in joyfulness and something that we are more than glad to do. When we realize that we have nothing, taking up our cross is the best thing. Samuel Rutherford says this, uh, Christ's cross is such a burden as sails are to a ship or wings to a bird. If you realize how great the thing is that Jesus did for us when he died on the cross, following him, taking up our cross, is not a difficult choice to make. And it's something that gives us life, gives us freedom, 
gives us eternal life and invites us to participate in God's kingdom. And it's such an awesome thing. It's only scary because we think we have something to lose when we give up our life. But everything in this life is temporary. Here one day, gone the next. You could be driving, you could have it all, and you could be driving one day and get hit by a truck, and and there's nothing else. Like, relationship, but we know relationship with God restores the soul and transforms the heart. And we know that everything that you do flows from the heart. If you can get this stuff right, sort the rocks in the right order, everything else falls into place afterwards. If you have faith, if Jesus dying on the cross has meaning to you, then the responsibility is on you to respond in gratitude, to give him your all, to pursue him. Eternal life with Jesus is the best thing that could happen to us. But do we, do we pursue him? Do we constantly give him our all? Like, I, I think it convicts me. And I'm, I, I love standing here and speaking this because I remember I was going through what I was, what I was reading and, um, and everything uh, throughout this week. And it, you get to these points and you draw out meaning from verses and you draw out meaning from Scripture and you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's convicting, but like, it's, it's, it's stuff that is really full of life and, and, and helps us to live in life to the fullest. And it's like, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so excited to share that with you all because it's, it's a really awesome uh, thing to be able to, to do. But I think sometimes we struggle to pursue Him consistently. Um, there's, there is so much available for us to participate in, in God's kingdom yet we live in such a narrow expression of the kingdom uh, at times. And I, I think for me, I, I stepped into this week thinking, hey, I, I just I know God has, has more for us, more in our lives, and how can I express that? Um, like, how can, how can we change our, our mindset to continue to pursue God um, even when things are good, even when we've tasted some of the good fruit God has for us? And I think... Um, God offers His goodness, uh, His His garden, His His grace, His spirit, the fruits of the spirit, all of these things. Um, and this is not for all of uh, this is not all of us that do this, but I think a lot of us, some of us, from time to time, we pursue God and we get a taste of these fruits, and we get a taste of the goodness Jesus brings through brings to us through His death on the cross, and it tastes pretty good. <laughs> we we revel in this taste of this of the God of this God given fruit and tell everyone about it. Oh my gosh, I prayed to God and this happened. Or hey, I got this crazy revelation from God yesterday. And maybe it takes a week, maybe a month, maybe a year, but the memory of the taste fades. And we go on living our lives in a near identical fashion to how we lived it before having that experience with God and tasting that good fruit. Um, And I know I've done this as well. It's a convicting kind of story but the reality is that God is so much more for us he has orchids entire gardens for us to enjoy to both cultivate and frolic in however because our attitude is about what we can receive and not about experiencing and participating in God's kingdom we grow content with snatching the fruit hanging low over the fence and forget that there's a whole garden to experience a whole kingdom to experience and it's not surprising either because God's fruit is legitimately otherworldly. <laughs> Even the most simple God moves create the most beautiful moments 
And of course, we find contentment at times seeing just that glimpse, just those, those low-hanging fruit, just the little tastes. Um, we, we grow content from seeing these glimpses of his kingdom in our lives. But there is more for us. There is a whole garden for us to experience. If we follow God because we want to fix our life up, or um, if we put in effort only so God helps us, if we sow purely to reap, without grasping the insane nature of what took place on the cross and what it means for us, we will never be satisfied. We will never be full. We won't be made whole. We'll never fully experience God's love. And this is what we're talking about when we talked about the verses. If you can pull it back up, David, on this on that one. Um, but when God calls us to follow him, to give up our, his, our own way, take up our cross daily and follow him. Um, that is the way to experience God's kingdom in its fullest. That is the way to experience God's goodness in its fullness, um, the fruits of the Spirit, all those things. And it's actually quite convicting, that verse, and I'll, I'll read it from my Bible as well. But after he says this, um, after he speaks, prophesies truth and then speaks truth, um, he says at the end of it in verse 27, I'll tell you the truth. Some standing here right now will not die before they see. Uh, sorry, I've, I've taken the wrong bit. But in verse 24, it says, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. There is, there is so much for us to have by surrendering our all and, and, and giving it over to him and following him. It's, it's crazy to think, and I know for my life, I lived years thinking that my plan was better than God's for some weird reason. But <laughs> if we understand that, hey, God has the best intentions for our life. God has the best uh, plan for our life. He, we, and we just have to trust in Him and follow Him. Um, we, we're, we're living an awesome life. All of a sudden, being a sheep doesn't sound like we're being brainwashed or we're being like just just following the crowd being a sheep means that we're making an active decision every day to wake up and and trust in him and 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 go to him in everything that we do because we know that his plan for our lives is is better than anything we can make up or or create so that's why he calls us to follow if we 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 can't follow god to fix our life up because god with his with his infinite grace that we are so so undeserving of has a full frame feature film for us to experience um, and it's an experience not just peeking through the blinds peeking over the fence or craning our necks from the rafters god wants us to experience this this kingdom this this garden as a, a front row visceral experience lived out in every hour of every day of every moment for the rest of eternity um, we get to live out of god's grace and goodness bringing peace and strength in the face of evil in our lives, carrying us through unspeakable situations. We get to live out of God building bridges and restoring relationships that would be far easier to douse in petrol and set alight. We get to live out of God's love, filling our lives with moments of unbridled joy and fulfillment. Not that brokenness wouldn't exist, but that it would be unable to control us and tear us apart. Nothing we can facilitate nothing we can manufacture comes close to giving God the will and letting him take control. Trust him. Just 
it's those two words that uh, are so are so powerful. So, don't stop pursuing God. That's the key. Turn back and show gratitude. But how? Um, fortunately, I think we have a really good example in the early church to follow. Uh, let's have a look at the early church, and we'll pick it up in Acts two. This is the third, um, the third verse that I really want to focus on. Shortly after the believers received the Holy Spirit, one of the most extraordinary God moves that that we've ever seen, and like in in Acts two, of course, that happens, and then Peter preaches to the onlookers, and um, three thousand people, which is also an incredible number, were saved. And um, this is what happens in Acts two forty two. To 47. Um, and it's up on the back as well. Thanks, David. You're a legend. Um, All the believers continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need they worshiped together at the temple each day met in homes for the lord's supper and shared in meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising god and enjoying the goodwill of the people and each day the lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved i think that sounds amazing um like that that community that um that's the that's the first step to the to the church kind of this is when the church starts to take shape for the first time this is what the early church was doing and I think we could do a series on this if you're looking um, Dad. <laughs> but um, but there are four clear actions in verse 42 the first verse there and let's read it in the amplified I've got it on the next verse uh, the next slide they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship and to eating meals together, and to prayers. There's four key things uh, that they were doing, and I think four key ways that they glorified God and showed gratitude that saw them turn back and have faith and glorify God and not just not just walk on and move on and continue doing life. Um, and of course, they're up there, but learning, community, sharing meals, and prayer. They <laughs> These things aren't too unachievable I think for everyone in everyday life these these are the four things that they focused on Um, and I think it's really cool because these are antidotes to our selfish human nature Um, all of these things are done thinking uh, of more than ourselves Um, we're, we're in community with others we're learning about God we're learning about what he has in store for us we're sharing meals together and and sharing them under the name of Jesus, uh, who did so much for us. And we're praying, seeking out God. This is, all of these things are done in relationship with either God or others, or both. Pretty much, I think, all of them both. And these are, these four things, they're just, they're tools to to remind ourselves to be grateful. They're, they're, they're ways to glorify God. They're God-breathed, God-breathed behavior that reconciles relationships with God, with others, and within ourselves as well. And I've got another Greek word there, but continually devoting. That 
part, the start of the verse that we haven't even talked about, continually and faithfully devoting themselves. That is the posture that we need to take. And in Greek, it's proskaterio. Everyone say proskaterio. It's a steadfast, single-minded trust and devotion to a certain course of action. We've, Dad's talked about single-mindedness in pursuing God. We have to, well, our eyes are focused on Jesus. Um, it's also a determined persistence in something, to persevere. The posture is key. Um, without this posture, we will be like the, the nine Jews, forgetting our gratitude and thankfulness. Perhaps we start on this journey and we start, um, and we, 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 we learn and we do community, we share meals and we pray, and, and these are just parts of everyday life, but we, we, we forget what, what Jesus did for us. We, we've, we aren't continually devoting ourselves. We aren't steadfastly sticking to this as the key to our life, the, the pillar that we, that we build our, our entire livelihoods on, the foundation that we, that we build on. Um, if we... We, we have to continually devote ourselves, continually and faithfully come back to God over and over, um, showing gratefulness, showing gratitude, forgetting about ourselves for, for a moment and seeking out what God has for us. Um, the posture is key. So I think um, it's, it's what, what do these four actions look like to you? Um, and I might just get you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes as we talk to this last bit. But these, these things, to, to learn together about Jesus uh, and about God with passion, with zeal, to, to do community, to do fellowship, to spend time with each other in each other's homes, to share meals together uh, to, in, under the name of God, to glorify Him and to pray, to seek Him out continuously these are these are ways that we can glorify God these are ways that we can without even thinking about it at times turn back and trust him and come back to Jesus after he has done so much for us rather than just reveling or or continuing to walk these four like these are these are just of course these are just four um, responses to Christ that we can take but I think if you are thirsty if you are in need of of more of Jesus in your life if if maybe your eyes are, are fixated on yourself and not God what does it look like to continually devote yourself to Christ it doesn't have to be a, it's not a works program it's not this this thing where you're continually doing these things so you get a pass to to heaven it's not about a receiving and and taking theology here it's about Jesus has saved me from 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 death Jesus has saved me from destruction Jesus has rescued me from a perilous situation I don't know what else to do but thank him and not just thank him once thank him again and again and again and that's like after God moves in your heart, after God moves in your life, once you recognize what Jesus has done for you, it only makes sense to give glory and to show gratitude and to, 
to not just move on, but to move back to Him and to continually grow closer to the one who has saved you. And I just want you guys to, to continue to just bow your heads and just and just ask yourself, like what what does what does gratitude look like in your life to God? What does thankfulness, what does glory, um, what does glorifying God look like to you in your life? And maybe it's maybe it's it is like saying spreading this good news and and sharing meals with each other maybe it's maybe it is spending time with with others and and um placing god at the center of that maybe maybe you want to start a devotion and and that feels like the next step for you to take but i just encourage you to ask god tonight today (laughs) ask god today about um about what is what is in store for me next what is the next step what, how do I turn back and respond to you and, and turn around and, and glorify you and praise you? Um, and I think even today, <laughs> with seeing everyone with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, talking to God and, and, and praying to Him, that is a step of faith. That is, that is glorifying God. Even just today, telling Him how thankful you are, how grateful you are, um, that is a, that's a super valuable step that that God sees and and loves and and is so so grateful for and it's just yeah let's just remember that it's that faith that's that saves you it's that glorifying God it's that response it's that it's it's only natural to respond respond once we see what God has done for us but let's just take this moment and just continue to talk to God. God, let us be the Samaritan. Let us be the, the, the one who turns back and, and glorifies you and gives us and gives you our everything, Lord. Let us, let us be people who are so thankful for what you've done that our only natural response is to come back and, and glorify you and, and give you our everything, God. Uh, just pray for everyone in this building, for everyone who is watching this, that that they can recognize your love for them, God, and respond out of that love that you have placed on us, that you have given to us, God. We're so thankful for what you've done. And I just pray that we don't forget. Pray that as life gets busy, as things continue, that we can continue to go back to the source of of life of the source of goodness of the source of the source of everything that we need in this world god we thank you for today and i just pray that you continue to move in this place lord in your name i pray amen amen what a great reminder church let's be like the samaritan let's acknowledge what god has done for us Let's always make space to be grateful no matter what your life looks like at the moment. The very breath in your lungs is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Let's always be thankful. Let's always be grateful that God is with us. Let's be like the Samaritan. I don't know know if you realize how shocking a statement that is. 
in Jesus' time. The Samaritans were despised. They were hated by the Jews. And numbers of time in Jesus' life, he actually acknowledges them. In the story of the Good Samaritan, he acknowledged them. In the, the story of the woman by the well who was a Samaritan, God brought life to her. In this story, he elevates this person and brings salvation to his house. What that tells me is it doesn't matter what your situation is like. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you respond with gratefulness to God, if you acknowledge God in your life, God cares less about that other stuff. He wants to see your response, your attitude, your heart to say, God, I need you. I want you. I come to you and I thank you for everything I have. Thank you, Benito, for a great reminder this morning. It's awesome. It's really good. The coffee machine's on. It's time to practice some fellowship, to encourage one another, spur each other on, and hear each other's stories. So hang around for a tea and coffee. Um, spend some time together. We'll catch you during the week, whether it's at pop-up or anything else. And thank you for coming out today. And God bless.